0: great to, uh, to be here this morning and this opportunity to continue in this series on the feast. The one I'll be talking about this morning is the Feast of Trumpets. It's one of the three fall feasts. And uh, just love what Pastor Noe and Pastor John has shared with the two before. And uh, so we're going to ask God to speak to our hearts this morning. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Leviticus Uh, chapter 23, and I'm going to just simply read these few little verses here, 23 through 25. Leviticus chapter 23, 23 through 25. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of solemn rest, a memorial, proclaimed with a blast of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, and you shall present a food offering to the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we are privileged to come into your presence again this morning. We thank you for your grace and mercy and your protection over the past week. And if you allowed us to gather here as a body, as a family this morning, we thank you. Thank you for our hearts have been warmed already. We ask that your Holy Spirit would have his way in us as now as we open the word. May he speak to each individual heart, each soul, and feed them, nurture them as you see fit. And as always, we'll be careful when all is said and done to give you all the honor, all the glory, all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Did that wake you up or what? <laughs> Believe it or not, that's the, uh, the purpose of that. That was a shofar blowing, and it is hereby proclaiming the inauguration of the start of the Feast of Trumpets on the first day of Tishri, the seventh month, which is the Jewish New Year, their civil New Year. It was blown to get everybody's, the nation's attention. And bring them together as a nation, as a community, so that they might remember, so that they might worship God, Elohim, Yahweh. And so they would blow the trumpet all throughout the day, all over the land. And it was called, it was blown to call what the Bible says is a solemn rest or a Sabbath. It was a memorial. So it will be a a matter of remembering what God has done in the past, but also an anticipation for what God was going to do in the future. So they come into this place where it's not just any old rest, but it's what I call the rest of God, and we'll talk more about that. It's blown on the shofar, it is a ram's horn. And, uh, the answer is no, no, I am not going to, I am not going to even come close to attempting to uh, blow this. One of the reasons is because it belongs to Noah and he has his mouth on it already, but <laughs> I wouldn't know, I wouldn't know what to do with that, with that anyway. And, uh, I found after, after the uh, last service that there was somebody in the uh, congregation that said, as a kid, he grew up uh, blowing the shofar, which I thought was pretty, pretty amazing in doing that. But the shofar is used to bring in this feast of the trumpets, and it is to gather the people of God together. It says in a holy convocation, it is, it is an opportunity for them to gather around God, Elohim, Yahweh, and to remember and to celebrate his covenant relationship with the nation and the messianic promises that he has made to the people. And so they come together in community at this time to be with God. And they've received a cease and desist order, which means they can do no work on this day because it's a Sabbath. It's much like maybe some of you who've worked in the factory, and as the day comes to an end, the, the, the bell goes off, the alarm goes off, and you know what? It's time to go home. It's time to quit work. And that's what the shofar did, and it's blowing. And so the people were called to gather in this place of not just any kind of rest, but what I call the rest of God. Well, why do you call it that, Emery? Emory? Well, if you look back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, God says this, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. But then when you get to chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, it says this, And on the seventh day, God finished His work that he had done, and he did what? He rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God did what? Rested from all his work that he had done. Over in, in, uh, in Exodus chapter, uh, chapter 31, it says that God, when he finished, that he was refreshed. That God was refreshed Now, you have to keep in mind, when it says that God rested, it's not that God had been sweating great divine drops of sweat and had been working hard. It doesn't mean that. It simply means that when God stood back and looked at everything that he had created, that it was complete. Nothing else needs to be added. And like any craftsman, anybody who has done a great work, when you stand back and look at your work, you just kind of go, wow. You know, maybe a little fist bump to the sun, little fist bump to the Spirit there in the little Trinity, because they're all involved in that creation thing. But God rested. But guess what? And this is something, boy, I can't unpack all this the way I want. But Adam and Eve were born into that rest. They were born into that rest. When when, When they were created, they came into a place where God had taken care of everything. They had to work Adam had to work, but he didn't have to work, didn't fight back against him. It was an easy flowing work. Why? Because God had taken everything. They lived and thrived in the rest of God, It's rest, until they didn't, until they decided that they write their own story instead of letting God write their story. And I think one of the most tragic losses of the fall is the loss of rest. Let's be honest, we, we don't have an easy time with resting, or we may have a weekend or something that we, we pull over, but our bodies may slow down, but our minds keep going, and whatever's going through our mind is not necessarily on God. I would even wager that even as you're sitting here, your mind is running on stuff that was going on before you came and what you have to do afterwards and what's going on next week. We don't fully rest, and the statistics show that we are a culture that suffers from lack of rest, from our stress. And so the shofar is blown, and the people of God are gathered together around God so that they might enter into his rest, the rest of God. And there are four things that go on during this that I just want to point out this morning just briefly that go on within this rest, and that is in this rest of God, there is you are to remember, you are to reflect, you are to repent, and you are to resolve. This Feast of the Trumpet comes 10 days before the Day of Atonement that Pastor John talked about last week, and so there's a, there's a period of reflecting that goes on here that we're going to talk about. But let's first of all talk about the first one, and that is, it is a time to remember. To remember. You see, you have to you you have to understand that the nation of Israel had a an amazing God story. They had this amazing God story. It's this tapestry of God moments and God movements in the life of the nation. And that on this feast of the of the trumpets, they were supposed to stop. I'm gonna trip over the trumpet. On this day of celebration and solemn Sabbath, they were to take the time to enter into a rest and remember the covenant redemption, the covenant relationship, and the messianic promises that God had made to them as a nation. And these covenants and this this relationship that God had was just not something written on a page, but it came to life and animated in the life of people like Adam and Eve, Abraham and Sarah, Moses, later David, and then there was Joshua. So all of this, 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 these moments and movements of the work of God came to life in the lives of real people like you and I. And they were the ones that God used to institute and to proclaim the covenants and to illustrate the covenants. And then later the prophets will continue to do that and so God says, let the shofar, uh, shofar blow and gather together, y'all, you know, and remember. There was also an element of reminding God, now God, you said that if we're obedient to you and we follow you, you'll bless us. You'll favor us. Remember that. So it's kind of two sides of the remembering there. And so the people would gather to remember their amazing God story. Let me ask you a question. Do you have an amazing God story? You say to me, Emery, no, I don't. I say, yes, you do. But I don't. Yes, you do. The reason you might not be aware of it is because you've not rested. It's because you've not entered into the rest of God. Because all around you are these what I call God sightings And demonstrations of God being active. He's provided for you. He's protected you. He's brought people into your life. You know, maybe it was tuition for school. Maybe it was that job. Maybe it was that spouse. You know, maybe doors that you thought would not open, God opened them. But you know, one of the reasons that God brings us together in community, like we talk about the connect groups and and come together, you might not catch them, but there's other people that can say to you, no, man, do you remember when? Do you remember that time, man, you were just worried whether you were going to get that job or whether you were going to be able to, 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 to go on this vacation or this trip, and God provided? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And so in this, in this place of rest, it's an opportunity to take stock. What, are, what is your God story? What are some amazing things that God has done in your life? Oftentimes we don't just sit as a body. We celebrated back in October the the, uh, the journey of this church, 75 years of North Phoenix Baptist Church. You know, it'd be good to do that a little bit more often. You know, a lot of us won't be around that next 75th or the 150th. It'll be a good thing, amen. Somebody said amen. But we need to gather and lead into God. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 45, he says, you have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. God has done so much that even when we start praising him and worship him for what he's done, there's still so much more to go. What are the the God movements and the God moments in your life? What is your God story? If you don't know, enter into the rest of God and allow Him to bring those to mind. We are to remember, but we're also to use this time to reflect, to reflect on God, on our journey. Here are some questions that you can ask when we come into this place to begin to reflect. When, once you've done that inventory and you realize the things that God has done for you and the great works that have gone on, your God's story, first question you can ask is what does that say about God's heart? The fact that God has done all these things and, and, and brought them into your life, what does it say about his heart? That he's a God who loves you, that he's a God who's faithful. That he's a God who's 10, 20, 30 steps ahead of you, and he's got you. What, what are these amazing acts, these God movements and moments in your life? What do they reveal about the heart of God? But here's another one. If God has done that towards you, what does that say about you? About you and who you are. Man, I'm loved. I'm favored. I am valued by God. If God would do these amazing things that I've now taken inventory of, and I see his heart, man, what does that say about me and my relationship with God and what he thinks about me? One of the biggest things in your reflection, you may think on the day that you came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you understand that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. What does that say, that, God would, that Jesus would die on the cross for you? What does that mean? And then here's the third thing in that time of reflection. Uh, How should I respond? How how do I pay this forward? God, I see God's heart that he's loving and he's faithful, and I understand that I'm his child and that I'm favored. And a result of that, am I just to keep that to myself? How How do I pay that forward? Who needs to be blessed who do I need to be a channel of blessing? To whom man do I need to be a channel of blessing? Because of what God has done to me. But if we don't, listen, listen. If we don't rest, if we don't s- slow down and enter into the rest of God, his Sabbath. You see, I believe that the, 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 the Sabbath that he established speaks to our divinity, speaks to the fact that we were created in His image. And if we're image bearers, if God rested, guess what? His image bearers ought to be resting. It speaks into our humanity. I believe long before the science demonstrated that God knew that our bodies and our minds needed rest. It needed it before the fall, And Lord have mercy, it definitely needs it after the fall. I wanted to have a whiteboard with a calendar on it with all these different schedulings on it and have it up here just to give you a visual of just how busy we are. And then take an eraser and just right in the middle of that schedule, erase that. Just a little space in there and say, That's where we need to rest. We need to rest. We don't rest even when we think we're resting, we're not resting. Even when we're sleeping, we're not getting good sleep. Why? Because we're not resting the rest of God. We need to remember. We need to reflect. And then the third thing... Oh, let me me read uh, Psalm 8 to you, which I think is a great uh, picture of reflecting. In Psalm 8, it says this, When I look at the heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have uh, set in place, what is man? Who am I that you are mindful of me? Who is man that you are mindful of him? And, and the son of man that you, that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the angels, some translations lower than God, and you have done what? crowned him with glory and honor. And then he finishes out in verse nine. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That's what happens when we just rest, the rest of God. But the next thing in that we remember, we reflect, we repent. Repent simply means course correction, change directions. And for some of us, as we're reflecting, God may say to us, stay the course. You're doing well. But for others, as we're reflecting, we're spending that time with Him, He may say, you know what, you need to to tweak it a little bit here. You know, you're you're kind of drifting. Bring it back. Bring it back. But also in that time of rest, God says, man, you, boy, you've blown it. You've blown it. You need, you need to confess your, your, your lack of faith, some habits you're involved in, some attitudes that you have. You need an attitude check. You need to confess it. Now remember, the Feast of trumpets is just 10 days or nine days, if we will, from the Day of Atonement. So there's a process here. You can, you can see the picture that God paints for what we do individually for the nation, they begin to reflect in his preparation for the Day of Atonement. It's much like when we have the communion here, the pastor will say, before we take communion, let's just take a moment and look inside and prepare ourselves so that we don't take that communion in an unworthy manner. So that's what this is about. Is, and so there may be some things that, that, that the Spirit of God points out during that time that you need to get right. So in the spirit of our pastor, who is the most vulnerable person, transparent person on the planet, uh, I used to think I was, I want to share a little bit of it. Long before I knew I was going to be doing this this message, um, I have find, found myself uh, outside of the Sabbath, outside of rest. So a little bit, um, we've been had the privilege to, to be, have been staying with my um, sister for uh, a while during this transition we've been through and so for the last year I have spent getting all my ducks in order so that we can you know move out and and get our own place and so you know got the credit together got the funds together and you know back in February it was a little chilly here and so you could put on a light you know a little light something and uh and so I had a little light something And as I'm looking out the window I'm kind of hearing stuff about the housing market but I'm you know, it's just a little February coolness in Phoenix. But when I stepped out, it was like stepping out in Chicago at a minus 27. And somebody was in the last service, and they said that that's that minus 27, what we just heard. It was snowing in Chicago. And I said, that's what it was like for me when I stepped out and started looking for somewhere. We're just looking for somewhere just to least... And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And so the little pennies that I had gotten together, I said, well, what does, what does it do? You're <laughs> right. It, uh. And there's, you know, there, you, you have places that you prefer, and the wife particularly. And so, it's, so I said, well, let's look, at, let's look at those places because that's what, you know, that's. And so you go and look at those places. And you just go, you all have got to be crazy. That's the Sunday morning pastor outside version. Inside. And so I and, and I, I didn't do myself any favors because then I would ask three questions what I should not have asked. I I I I would ask, what was what was the cost of this a year ago? <laughs> you know, it was about this. I said, that's a 500 dollars 600 dollars difference. Are you I said, okay, so if I, if I come in here, no, no, the sec- next thing I asked was, uh, no, no, next thing. So if I come in here now, in a year from now, is there, is there a chance that that's going to, well, you know, yeah. And I'm thinking, what? And this is the last one, is like, what's your occupancy rate? And he said, oh, 98%. I'm like, so people are, coming in here, yeah, and inside of me, something got messed up, and I started looking up the symptoms online, and the, the, the C word began to show up, and I'm like, I've never experienced these things that I was experiencing inside, and I'm like, I've got to call this specialist and this, because I, I, it just messed me up. And you know what God reminded me? Emory, you need to come inside. It's like being out in that Chicago weather, and somebody comes out and says, hey, hey, come in here, come in here. And you, you need to get dry, and you need to sit by the fire. And I kept saying, my little, long before I knew I was going to be saying this, man, Emory, you've got to go back inside. You've got to go back. Why? I would go here. Because for 44 years, Layla and I have seen God do some amazing things. We have an amazing God story. Just incredible. You know, both into the recession, I've shared a few months back about the recorder that I had where I recorded from, from, from May 2009 to, to July, June 2014, what we were going through. And just thought, I don't know how we're going to get through this. Came to Arizona and you know didn't have any income, and so somebody said uh, I was sh- showing my resume around. Said take it over to GCU, and uh, because you're in ministry, and so forth, and uh, and then somebody said while you're over there, go by and see so and so. She's the wife of you know that guy you went to school with 30 years ago. So I just went over to G- Grand Grand Canyon, and, and I said uh, didn't have anything in the liberal arts, so I said let me go over to the Health Sciences and and uh, I found this this lady and I said hi you know she's assistant dean and you know my name is Emory went to you know ASU with your husband you know 30 years ago Oh come on in why are you here da 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 well you know have you found anything? Did they have anything over there? No, no, well here I got something for you. She never picked up the phone to call her husband and go, Hey, do you know a dude named Emory? <laughs> there was no background check, there was no she just she just had her computer. <laughs> got this class, and you start in January. I was there for nine years. I'm going to tell you about my house, and and the house flipped upside down, right side up. Boom, got that, boom. And God's saying, only specialist you need is me. If If you would just come in and rest My rest, Emery. And when I began to do that, all those symptoms that I was going to go see somebody for, there was. And I just went, well, I'll be. Even us pastoral types often forget to rest. Not just any rest, but the rest of God, where He speaks. Into our lives. Psalm 139, the psalmist says Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous, another version, hurtful way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. Lead me in the way of everlasting. And so there are times where we need to, coming out of that reflection, to, to ask God to search us and to get our footing back in the right place. And what is God saying to you when you come into that rest? You're good. Stay on course. Or, hey, listen, you need to do a little course correction here or there's some sin in your life that you need to get right. And it's okay, because for them, the day of atonement was, was coming for us as already it happened in Jesus on Calvary's cross, where he atoned for our sins, as Pastor John talked about last week. We remember, we reflect, we repent, and then the last thing, even as it says out of Psalm, that, the you know, show me, keep showing me the everlasting way is what the psalmist says. We resolve. What do we mean by that? We, we determine that we're going to stay the course. Even though the nation of Israel had these ups and downs in their journey, I mean, God just must have had major migraines if he could have migraines with the nation. But he has the same thing with us. But he would always raise up national leaders People whose heart were respons- responsive to him, and they just keep leading him toward the promise of that Messiah. And he kept, kept helping them understand that Messiah was coming. And that God is going to set up his kingdom to where his king, the Messiah, would reign and where the nation would be blessed and favored. And it kept them on course. They, 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 they never gave a dips and turns, but God would raise up those who would keep them focused, keep them going. The blowing of the shofar has its, is, is, is a foreshadowing of the trumpets that are going to be blown with respect to Jesus, who is coming again. Jesus is coming again. One of those trumpets has to do with the rapture in 1 Thessalonians where Jesus is going to come midair, and it says this, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry and of command with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and then he who are, uh, we who are alive, who are left, Will be caught up together with him, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. And then he says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So that's one blow. Ah, but there's another one in Revelation. As Jesus comes and gets ready to. To, to to set up his kingdom. This is what this is what the nation was looking for his first time. And so they got a little disappointed when somebody threw in a cross. But he's coming. There was just a little dip, but he's coming again. And so in, 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 in Revelation eleven, fifteen it says this Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign. Forever and ever, ha, hallelujah! That's all I'm going to do. It's going to rain. The resolve is like Paul says in Philippians three. I'm going to—I'm going to stay. I'm going to press on because God has—he's promised. It's, it's coming. It's coming. To stay the course. We're gonna have bumps and bruises along the way. We're living in a crazy time. But God is faithful. Well, how am I? How do I stay connected to that faithfulness? I rest. The rest of God. I join with others. See, God worked with a nation, with people. We think so much individually. But God works with the faith community. So so, so we come into that rest with a faith community and we remember, we reflect. Need be, we repent, we we course correct and then we stay on target. We resolve. All of these feasts have what's called an antecedent and an anticipatory element. What God has done and what is coming. Check this out. In Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 9, this, this is about rest, right? This is about rest. Listen, listen. I don't make this up. Hebrews 4, 9, 11, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested (laughs) from his works, as God did from his. Adam and Eve, in their original humanity, they were born into rest. And God says, that rest is coming again. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, be careful that, that you don't miss that rest. Maybe some here this morning, you've never come to that place. I encourage you not to miss that rest. But, 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 there's Matthew eleven, twenty eight 28 to 30. Come to me, all who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Give you what? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find what? For your souls. He is the Sabbath. Jesus is the Sabbath. And he simply says, come to me. Ha! and I'll give you rest. And maybe this morning there are those that need to come to Jesus. Accept his forgiveness and rest in him. We're going to close here and uh, we're just going to have a time where you can just sit in silence and it's going to be introduced and uh, just sit for a few minutes and just remember and then we finish that I'm going to bring you out of there and have you stand and we'll have our folks up here and then you can go and, and feast but let's take a moment and just uh, rest <laughs> thank you that you call us to this place of rest. I pray for my brothers and sisters here that as a community we will hear the shofar, the blowing of the trumpet that declares a solemn rest, a memorial, a holy convocation where we as a people gather around you and remember, reflect, repent, if there's anybody here under the sound of my voice and you've never made a commitment of your life to Jesus the rest of God to understand that he loves you and he died for you this may be the morning that he's saying come and let me give you a new life others that during this time there may be God is speaking to you and you need to come and just have prayer or kneel at the altar I invite you to do that the time of the Feast of Trumpets is here. I'm going to have you rise. Have the pastors come forward. And uh, as you desire, you're dismissed. And we'll see you next Sunday. But come, if God is moving you to come. Fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out.